pray, Father, this morning, Lord, that we would be hungry for more of you, Lord, that we would see your holiness, God, we would see your truth, Father, we would see the hope that is in the gospel of Christ, Lord, that would produce in us a hunger, Lord, and a thirsting for your righteousness, Lord, a hunger and a thirst to, to know your heart, Father, and to be like the person of Christ, Lord. So I thank you so much for this morning, Father. I thank you for the group of people that you've brought here to Jesus, Father, and I pray, God, that we would steward well on the time you've given us, God, and we pray that the, the spirit of Christ, Lord, person of Jesus Christ would be here this morning. Father, we need, we need you, Lord, that our best efforts and, and our best lookalikes, Lord, that they can't have the power or they won't have the power um, that you have, God. And so we ask for your grace. We ask for your mercy, Lord. Um, fall, fall this morning, God, that we can be conformed to your image. And in Jesus' name, we pray and believe these things. Amen. Alright, you guys may be seated. Thank you for joining us here this morning at ESS. I know there's a lot of things you guys could be doing, but you came and, and joined us. I appreciate that. And today's scripture, we're going to continue in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, um, verse 12. And the title for today is A Process with a Purpose and a Prize. As we go into the book of Ephesians every week, we've really gone through a summary of what's happened up to this point. And I just want to reiterate how important that is, because the book of Ephesians is not um, meant to be broken up into to verses and the chapters, but from the, ooh, I might need to this fan real quick. Sorry about that. But the book of Ephesians is not meant to be broken up into bits and pieces, but, but it's one letter, and that Paul wrote this, the Ephesians, for them to get the whole picture of what God is doing. So before we can talk about equipping, I just want to run through this again. That chapter 1, we saw how the church had been called out to a specific purpose in Christ before the foundation of the world even began. In that chapter 2, we see that we have been made a family by the blood of Christ. That he's brought the Jews and the Gentiles into one new man and that we can truly be a family as a church. In chapter 3, we see the church is a mystery that God has now revealed through Jesus Christ. In chapter 4, we see the church is a team. And the whole point of the church being a team in chapter 4 is to live out the, the or live out the doctrine that we saw in the first three chapters. Now, how do we walk in a manner worthy of the call, which we've been called, that we saw in chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. And last week, we finally talked about these gifts that God has given to equip the saints for the purpose of walking in a manner worthy of the call to represent Jesus Christ. So now that we've talked about the gifts and we've talked about this call, now we're at this point of equipping. And equipping is not just a ministry word or something we use in Jesus, but it's something that God has put in the Bible for a reason. And one thing that we'll get to in a little bit that's interesting is this is the only time this word is used in the whole, um, in the whole word. That this Greek word is only used one time. It's very specific and it has a purpose for us as the church. And so I want to read our scripture for today, which is Ephesians 4.12. We'll, we'll focus on specifically, but want to give us a little bit of context. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, before we jump into all the nitty-gritty details of the scripture, I was thinking about just the purpose and the necessity of equipping. And 
before we jump into that, um, in Vermillion this week, man, every time I go back, there's this hunger and desire for the Word, and this hunger and desire to be equipped, this hunger and desire to know Christ that really stirs up my heart. And when I was getting back, one thing the Lord had shown me is just some even contentment of when we come here on Sunday mornings, are we hungry um, to really have more of His Word? Are we hungry to experience Jesus Christ? And, and just as we dive into this, this Word this morning, even if you got to Pray for a second to yourself. The Lord would align our hearts to really be hungry and desperate for what he's going to do, not just here this morning, but what he's going to do in Fort Collins here this next season. So with that in mind, I was thinking about Pearl Harbor, and that when Pearl Harbor happened, the United States immediately was ready to go to war. And people were ready to go over like that day to Nazi Germany or wherever it was to fight um, this war that was going on throughout the world. I want you guys to think about for a second is... The day after Pearl Harbor when everyone was fired up, that if they all would have bought their own planes or made their own planes or gotten their own ships and would have gone over to Nazi Germany with their pocket knives and hunting rifles and said, you know, we are going to take over Nazi Germany because we're pumped and we're ready to go to war, how that, how that fight would have gone would not have been very good, right? That those people would have been slaughtered because they weren't ready. They, they, they may have the zeal to go to war, but they did not have the equipment. They didn't have a mission. They weren't an army yet. That they weren't aligned with a purpose. If they were gone over there in their own zeal and excitement, um, that battle would not have ended well um, for the United States. But instead, what happened with, with the army was they had to enlist. And they had to, they had to sign up that it would be a part of the army to make a commitment. That they were there for this purpose of fighting war. The second thing they would have had to do is go on a boot camp. Didn't matter if you were a sniper rifle, didn't matter if you were a general, didn't matter if you were just going to be infantry or whatever it was, there was a boot camp. There was something that was required on a foundational level for everyone going into the military. And the next thing that would have happened is there would have been an equipping of your specific role in the military. And so whether that was, you were going to be a sniper rifle or drive a tank or be a fighter jet, a pilot, whatever it was, there would have been that specific training after boot camp for you to be equipped and what you were about to do um, when you went overseas. Finally, there would have been a mission. You would have been assigned a particular group um, of the Army. You would have been given a mission of when you go over there, this is what we want you to accomplish. And that group would have been on the same page and really would have had time um, to understand their mission. And finally, they would have been deployed. And then when they were, their deployment came, the, the action would have came for the, the, that group of, of soldiers. And the thing I want to challenge us for today is so oftentimes we do get pumped with what Christ has done in our life, but do we ever take the time to go through boot camp? Do we ever actually list um, that we are equipable, that we are discipleable, or are we just so eager to run out and do this work without ever um, being equipped for um, the work of the ministry? Because in the same way we're not, we do end up like the United States military that would have gone over there unprepared. That, that, the, the devil without us abiding in Christ is smarter than us. He's stronger than us when we're not in Christ. Now, we're in Christ and we're abiding in Christ and we're aligned with our purpose. It says we always have the victory that is in Christ Jesus. But that victory is not guaranteed if we're not, as we talked about in the title, if we're not involved with his equipment, if we're not involved with his process, his purpose, and his prize. We have to be in God's alignment with his heart and with his plan in order to be successful and to have the victory um, here in, in, in the battle we have against the kingdom of darkness. And just to bring this in perspective, this is not, you know, my analogy or something that is new, but in 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 4, it says, you therefore must endure hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 
No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. If this equipping piece is not just a good analogy with the military, but this is really what God is saying is happening here. This, this equipping and for us to be a soldier is vital for our survival as believers, and our survival is the church. That more and more the church is, instead of transforming the culture, conforming to the culture. That, that in order for, for the church to really transform what's happening in our country around the world, we need to represent who Jesus Christ is. But to do that, we have to also realize the seriousness and the urgency of where we are at as a church and where we're at individually. That we hunger to be prepared the same way they hunger to be prepared to go fight this war. Because they knew they could have never gone over them by themselves. In the back of our mind, we kind of think that, you know, if this church thing works out great, but if not, you know, we can still get things done our own way. And, and by ourselves, but it's not true, and that this analogy is, hopefully it's helpful, but, but it's also very serious and specific, as, as the Word of God presents here in 2 Timothy 2. One thing that the Lord has really been impressing on my heart is just His standard, that God has a standard that, that is immovable, and I've noticed that in 1 Corinthians, Paul says that they measure themselves by themselves, and by doing so, they're not wise. And by comparing themselves by maybe other ministries or, or even by your own fruit, that there becomes a contentment when we start to lower God's standard to what we can achieve. What can I achieve that's close to God's standard but may not be his specific standard? But when we look at the standard of Christ and we look at what he has in the word and we leave the standard where it's supposed to be, what that does is it produces a hunger in us. And that's something that even was said a couple of times when I was in Vermillion. It's like these people, I mean, I have no idea what to do, but I see this standard in, in, in the Word, and I am so hungry for that. That when we leave the standard of God where it should be, which is too high for us to attain, what does that cause? It causes a brokenness and a humility in us and a hunger and a thirst for His righteousness that is greater than any, any other effort that we could ever put forth. And so the thing I want to ask all of us today, has there been areas, maybe as a whole, but areas of God's standard that we have lowered and become content. That we read the word and it's like, ah, oh, it's not exactly like that, but it's pretty close and we've almost become okay with that. That we've become okay with the word or, or with us not, not reaching the standard that Christ has for us. And as we look at this equipping and we look at what God has called for his church, there will be a realignment, really a rebirth um, of hunger in our hearts to really want the real thing, to really want the fullness of Christ's character that he has presented in his word. Two quick scriptures I want to hit on with that, and we can jump into equipping. Is in Matthew 7, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. And I've read this scripture a hundred times, but lately, in the last week or two, what the Lord's really highlighted to me is, not only is the, is the gate narrow, not only is the entry point narrow, which is through Jesus Christ, but then he says, and difficult is the way. That it's not this narrow gate and this super broad path that we can walk in after we've been saved. But once we've been saved by the blood of Christ, there is a narrow path, and it's still difficult. It's still hard, and that's why we need the body. We need to be equipped. We need to continually hunger and thirst for him, because if not, we start to slowly but surely get on this broad path after we've entered the narrow gate, and those things, they do not mix. So we see this, is that we talked about earlier, God does have a specific process. Not only is there specific salvation, but there's a specific process he has for us in the body. 1 Corinthians 3, 11-14 says, 
For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. And here we see, too, that not only is there one foundation, but once that foundation is laid, God said he's giving us the free will on how we're going to build on that. And he said you can build on it with wood and hay and straw, and that will look pretty good. I don't know if you guys were given $5 million. You could buy a lot of hay. And on the outside looking in, it'd be like, man, look how much stuff they have. You could build that or buy that much gold with $5 million. You'd buy some. But you have way more quantity of hay than you ever would gold. But when fire came to that, that hay would be absolutely nothing. And your gold would actually be more valuable because it would be refined. In the same way that the, the gate is narrow, but then this process of equipping and this process that we see in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 is very specific. And without that fullness of Christ, we may end up building all this ministry that looks great. But yet, when, when the day comes, it doesn't say the person won't be saved, but all that work can be burned up because it wasn't built um, with, with the materials in the way that Christ has called us to build. And so, with a long intro with different scriptures, just to hone in on the seriousness of what really this, this ministry model, the seriousness of what equipping really comes with, because God has always been a specific God. You look at the um, temple and the, what the, the um, directions he gave to Moses, you can fall asleep reading all that stuff, because it's on and on and on, and every jot and tittle is, is so specific. And there's no reason why God would have been so specific in the Old Testament, now all of a sudden everything goes... Now, now that Christ has come, but he's still specific, and his grace does abound in teaching us, but he is still specific in the way that he operates today. So I want to come back to Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, we're going to look at verse 12. He says that he himself gave some of the apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to measure the stature of the fullness of Christ. So what we're, we're going to see is that equipping, it has a process, but it's also for a purpose. When people went to the military, they were being equipped to go fight a war. They weren't just being equipped because they were bored, but they were being equipped for a purpose. And that with the, the process and the purpose, when those come together, there's a prize and there's fruit that gets um, that, that is bored from those two things coming together. So... Look at this word um, in the Greek. It's the only time this, this word is used in the whole scripture. And um, it's pronounced katartismos. I was trying to, I was playing it on my computer. It says it to you. I was trying to memorize it. But anyways, in the, in the King James, actually this word is translated the perfecting. Instead of saying for the equipping of the saints, it says for the perfecting of the saints. There's really three aspects um, to what uh, Paul's getting at here. It's, it's correcting an all deficiency. It's instructing us, and it's bringing us to completion. So when we look at these words equipping, I believe sometimes this, this word has been way too broad in our vocabulary. Of equipping means going to you know, a discipleship course. Equipping means that we go to Bible study. Those things can be a part of the equipping process, but those things aren't equipping in themselves. And we'll see that this word is much deeper than um, just attending a class or knowing information. So 1 Thessalonians 3, 9-10, talking about correcting deficiency. 
Paul says this, For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. That each one of us is lacking something. And when we look at the fivefold that we looked at last week, they each represent the character of Christ that challenges some of us in different ways, and maybe some of us um, align with, with certain parts easier. But every single person in this room, there are parts that we are deficient in Christ. And that's what that fivefold really brings. It starts to challenge us in every area that we can't just conform to the part that's easy to us and avoid the part that's hard to us. And that's what Paul's saying. So I can't wait to see your face. Why? So that I can see what's lacking in you, so that I can challenge that, and so that we can provide this more complete aspect of what it means for Christ. And so when we talk about equipping, this is the part that's sometimes uncomfortable, is we have to not only realize that we have a part of us that's deficient, but we have to be willing to let that be challenged. We have to actually be willing for that to be on the table to say, man, I'm not very good at this, or this thing does really make me uncomfortable, or this is where I keep falling short. Like we talked about, there's an aspect of, of the church leadership and the gifts that God's given and within the body that helps lead us to repentance and actually not only correct us, but make us sufficient. That each one of us does have the full spirit of Christ in us, and that ability to be sufficient in that area is in you, but it needs to be equipped. It needs to be uncovered in order for you to walk in that. Second part we saw was instruction. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We see in both scriptures that the end of it says perfect, or complete. This is a, oftentimes the same Greek word that's been used over and over on these. When we look at this instruction, where do we get our construction? Instruction is the Word of God. And we talked about last time of how important it is that the teacher grounds us in the Word and that we ground ourselves by our biblical literacy of being able to read the Word and see our lives through the lens of the Gospel. But when we look at this aspect of instruction, have you ever been instructed in something and still not been that good at it? I don't know if you've ever, like, I know I've read instructions on how to build things. I'm not very good at building stuff. And I read the instructions. Just because I read the instructions doesn't mean I'm going to build a very good table or whatever it is. It just because we have the instructions doesn't mean we have the ability to really go pull through with it. And that's why when we look at these three aspects of equipping, it's not like levels. You go from deficiency to um, instruction to completion. These are things that are working together all the time. And so not only is our deficiency being challenge, but we're also being taught on what to do. But just because we know what to do doesn't mean that we're actually going to do it. And that's why when we get to this last piece of completion, Paul says, him we preach, warning every man, and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me might, um, mightily. That there was a completion of bringing together of this equipping. Not only are we being challenged, not only are we being instructed, but also we're being led to completion by one another and by the leadership that God puts in front, in front of us. And the important thing about this too is this is not just about um, a class. This isn't just something that we can learn about what these three things mean, but these are th three things we have to experience. And going into our scripture in verse 12, he says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. There's a pro process, but there's also a purpose. You can't 
Um, you cannot divide equipping and work of ministry. You cannot equip someone without the work of ministry. Because if, if you are, they're just sitting in class and um, maybe sounds bad, but they, they just get fat. You just eat all this stuff about the word, but you never exercise it. And so we just become knowledge experts, but without the work of ministry, we really can't be equipped because our equipping never actually gets tested and we just become uh, know, know about things, but do not actually exercise it. So we're going to talk about um, some a phrase that gets used here a lot, but is OJT, is on-the-job training, that as we are equipped, we actually need to be challenged on this stuff on the job. And that may be on a small act of service or maybe a ministry that God is entrusting to us. But um, I know there's people in this, in these, in this room that um, train people in certain things. And again, to really train them, at some point they actually have to do the stuff. And when you look at the military, um, boot camp, you don't just sit in the class and watch videos about the military. It's hard. Boot camp's super hard. I mean, you guys all know Isaiah D'Amico, when he talked about his um, boot camp and stuff. It's hard. And now he's at this next um, step of being trained, equipped specifically in, to be a helicopter pilot. And that's hard, too. That's not easy. If you've heard from him at all, that part's also challenging. And it wasn't just about learning new things. But each step of the way is a, is a challenge, and that requires for us to be on the job. And I believe there's two problems within equipping that, that can um, quench this process. One is being overzealous. We already talked about that. It's like we're ready to go fight the enemy with our pocket knife, and we just never take the time to really be a part of the body. We never take the time to be equipped, and we never get the time to be sent out to actually be successful in our battle. But the second thing is a phrase that... Um, one of our straight coaches always used to say this at USD, but he says they look like Tarzan, but they play like Jane. That they had all of this strength, and you would go through the footwork drills, and they'd be in the weight room. They could do anything. Like, they were the strongest guys on the team, the fastest guys on the team. When it came down to play the game, they weren't very good. They didn't have, but once they got in the game, those skills did not transfer over to actually being a football player. And so although they looked very good, they didn't have the ability to actually carry it through. And I believe that we live in a culture who really um, encourages this aspect to look like Tarzan. Man, if you know your theology, you know this, you know that. If you know all this stuff, you must be a good Christian. That our Christianity has been defined by what we know instead of who we are. It's been defined by how much scripture we can quote and not does the testimony of Jesus Christ is that displayed in your life. And oftentimes we look like Tarzan, but when things start to get hard in our life or we actually have to get on the job, we don't know what to do. And if we do know what to do, we don't have the strength in our spirit to actually accomplish that. And that's why you cannot separate equipping and the work of ministry. These two things have to work together. And going back to our military analogy, how frustrating would it be if we did get in war and people who had been equipped and had gone to training to be special ops. They are the most dangerous people in the world. And they have all the they have all the uh, military experience. They have all this stuff. But once war came, they wouldn't enlist. They wouldn't actually become a part of the military to help win the war. And so oftentimes, we are so equipped in our knowledge of different things, more so than across a lot of areas of the world. But yet, when it comes time to enlist, when it comes time to actually be a part of the body of Christ, when it comes time to actually face what's going out there in Fort Collins, and just as a side note, this isn't just a Fort Collins problem in um, Vermillion. It's like they have gone from a very conservative little town to the most um, liberal and godless little town I've ever been to. Me and Sarah were shocked. 
on some of the stuff we saw there, even in comparison to Fort Collins, that I think we need to realize that what happens in Fort Collins can end up affecting not only here, but really across this country. That, that when, when people start to see there's a different way to live and they start to see what the testimony of Jesus Christ is, they're going to want that a lot more than what they're getting out in the world. But if they never see that, if we're never enlisting in the fight, how are they ever going to have that option and that demonstration of what it means to look like Christ? And there's two scriptures that, that hit on these points. Is in 1 Timothy 1.7 it says, Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirmed. They knew all the stuff. They read the Bible over and over and over. But yet, the very thing they were studying, they knew nothing about actually in the heart and the demonstration of who they were. 2 Timothy 3.5 says the same thing. Having a form of godliness but denying his power and from such people turn away. It's a dangerous thing to know a lot about Christ but yet not demonstrate who he truly is. So really in conclusion for this morning, I want to come back to our military analogy. And, and you know, we do have this desire here at ESIS and the equipping of the saints of that, that same type of structure. We need boot camp. We need the foundation. What are we here to do? Now, what is um, the mission and the vision that God has put in ESIS? We need training. That as we go through boot camp, maybe what God's put in us starts to become more and more clear. But how is that going to get tested? And people who are in training or being equipped in the military, they get tested. I know we've got some military guys in here um, currently. And training those things were not easy. And that, that we need that here um, as a body of Christ as well as a mission. That, that eventually God will maybe direct us into a work of ministry that we can really be responsible for and, and be tested in that as well. And when we look at these scriptures and come back to Ephesians 4, starting in verse 12, there's this equipping of the saints and this work of ministry that work hand in hand. But it, it produces something. It doesn't just stop there. It produces for the edifying of the body of Christ. And this means basically to be built up with one another. And I don't know if you guys have ever been a part of something where you have to, like, do everything. And it's like, I don't know if it's at your job, but you end up doing more than what your job is actually supposed to do. That's really discouraging after a while. But I don't know if you guys have ever been a part of a team or a part of a, a body of Christ or something that... When you're doing your job, everyone else is actually doing their job, and you start to see growth and fruit that you have to haven't even touched, you're not even a part of that section or whatever, that's super encouraging. That really builds us up, because as we see Jake or Jim or Kayla or Joe, everyone having fruit in where, where they're at, and that's affecting and helping build up the body, that encourages me, and that's what he's talking about. That as the saints are equipped, and as they do the work of ministry, there will be this building up of the local church. There'll be a building up of the body. That there is a process and there's a purpose, but this all leads to a prize. And that prize is not only knowing who Christ is, but also to build up and encourage each other. And as we will talk about at a later date, verse 13 also talks about this produces unity. It produces knowing the Son of God. It produces a perfect man that we together would represent the fullness of who Christ is. So as we look at this scripture and we look at this as a church, you know, I believe that, mentioned it earlier, but there, there's pieces in us and corporately that we need to repent of, of being content with being content. Being content with, with lowering the standard of God, not hungering and thirsting to really see the practical demonstration of this. You know, not, not, not and there are people who are definitely doing this, but, but there's areas that God revealed in my heart that, we're still content with not with, with myself not seeing certain aspects of Christ and not just spending the time in my face to cry out for that. 
but yet just kind of going on day to day and saying those things are okay. And so first, that we really search our heart, are there areas that we are still content as a church, corporately, that we need to repent for, but also individually things the Lord may bring to your mind. And trust me, if there are things, you can always, especially from the Word, man, bring things corporately um, that we can take a look at and that, that we are here as a church um, to, to, to pursue this fullness of Christ. Just a couple questions to leave you guys with, with that being said, is where are you, where are we at in this process? Where are we at with being equipped? Where are we at with being equipable? And the last thing is, you know, do we really believe this is required? That was the thing about the military, is they knew boot camp and those things were a necessity. Like, they really believe that. And why do we know they believe that? Because they did it. And so when we look at this, and do we really believe this is God's structure, really his only structure for the church? Or is it something that kind of like trips our trigger and it works and doesn't work? Like, we're still believers and we still can have our relationship with the Lord. Or do we really believe that not only for us, but for our friends and those who don't know the Lord, that this is something that needs to happen. This is something that, that needs to be a non-negotiable. And when it's not happening, that God would stir up that hunger and that desperation to have him. Because I think everybody in this room knows we can't do that just by blood, sweat, and tears. It can't just be we're going to try harder, do more, come up with better strategies, more programs. That won't work. But in a desperation for Jesus Christ, who knows what can happen? You, know, you look at the early church, they almost, there, at one time there was more Christians in Rome than pagans. That's amazing. I mean, they were killing the Christians, but yet the Christians were starting to outnumber those who were pagan in the Roman Empire. That the limit on what Christ can do when we're hungry and we'll be equipable, it's out the roof. But yet when we become content, it really, it keeps us from that standard. It keeps us from doing what Christ really has for us as a church and has for us individually. So as we close, um, we can start to bring um, the worship crew back up and, and get ready for our offering. Just want to reiterate that God does have a standard, and he has a process, and he has a purpose, and he does have a prize. And that I really, I love this church, and I love the group of people that God is bringing here, and uh, me and Jim were actually talking about it in greeting time. This is, a, this is a small enough group obviously, that we can really set the stage and set the tone for what God's going to do in the next years here at BSS. And this is an opportunity that we have when we look at these scriptures. Is this something we're seeing in our church and in our life? And if not, this is a great time to address it and a great time to repent and a great time to encourage each other and say, this is the standard and this is the only thing we're doing. This is the only thing we're going to strive together for to what the Word of God says. Because again, this isn't ESS's ministry plan. This is just what Ephesians 4 through 11 through 16 says. We didn't come up with this, but this has been there since the foundation of the world. And do we really believe this? And this is it's a great time to be on the right track, and it's a great time to together be hungry and thirsty for what Christ is doing, not only here, but in Fort Collins. Um, you guys can come up with the offering. And as the offering's going around our worship, one thing I want to point us to is sometimes the standard of let's be like Christ in the fullness of Christ can be somewhat um, intimidating. And, you know, can we really do that? Well, what does this look like? I want to look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 23-24. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. 
Jesus Christ is the one who's going to sanctify us. And do we believe that? Do we believe that if we seek him continually, he'll reward us? Do we believe that if we're broken and we continue in repentance, that he will believe us? And do we believe that he who calls us is faithful and he will do it? And that it, I put my life on it, that if we would humble ourselves and we would hear the voice of the Lord, he'll do this work that we see in the Word in us. I promise, for sure, he will do that. But do we believe that? Do we really believe that he can do that right here, right now, or just some 2,000 years ago that was possible? But today and right now that Jesus Christ can have his work and his move in the church more than he um, ever has. So as we take up offering and we, we go into worship, we can meditate on this scripture some, and, and like we always say, the, the microphone is open if someone has a word um, or something that God's blowing in our heart that, that we need what God's putting in, and, and we need um, the body to, to really um, express what Christ is doing in our hearts. So feel free to come up, and, and we'll get you a mic if the Lord has something for you. Father God, Lord, we thank you so much that, that um, God, the opportunities to serve you, Lord, and the fruit that we can have in Jesus Christ is not limited. Lord, that, that you say that all nations could be disciples, Lord, not just churchgoers, but disciples of Jesus Christ, Lord, and we just long to see that, Father, so I pray, God, that you would put the fire um, to us here at ESS, Lord, that you would find, God, that you would burn the things that are wood, hay, and straw, Lord, we don't want those things, Father, we want to be gold and stones and precious um, stones, Father, that, that can be refined by your fire, Lord, and um, be aligned with you, God, and so I just pray, Father, that you would please um, do your will here with us at this church, Father, and I pray for this offering, God, that as people give, Lord, we would steward well the money they have given, Lord, and that you would bless those who have given out of a cheerful heart, Father, for your kingdom and for your purpose, so that we can trust you with every aspect of our life, God. So I thank you so much for the faithful saints, Lord, that you've brought to this church, God, and I pray, Lord, that you would get us together and align us with your purpose and with your vision, Father, so I just pray, God, that we honor you and bless you um, with, with the way that we carry ourselves. In Jesus' name, we pray and believe. Amen. Your presence for me. 
close with prayer this morning, but um, man, just, I don't know if you caught that, that word that Jamie was just singing, but it said, um, devastate us with your presence. And, you know, God's presence when it comes, it is devastating in good ways and in challenging ways. And I want to challenge us this morning, one, with all this stuff that's been said, what is your next step? What is God asking you to do? I'm not saying that has to be some extravagant thing, but do we know the season and the process God has us in? Whatever that is, do we know that? And if we don't, we can't just say, we'll figure it out. Because if they had done that World War II, then the United States would look like a different place if that's what the military had said. And that's, I believe, why so much of our society does look the way it is. The church cannot put off the urgency of what God is asking us to do um, anymore. And I challenge us individually when we really go to the Lord and ask him to devastate us with his presence. Because if we come to him and we really mean that, then he'll do it. I promise. And it could be hard, it could be challenging, it could be scary, but I promise it's what we need. So what you need is what I need is for him to devastate us with who he is and to really get to the depths of our heart. So as long as no one has the last minute word, they would like to share, um, I'll close this in prayer. Father, Lord, God, I know that, that you are at work. God, I know that you're stirring in our hearts, Father, and I believe, um, God, with all that's in you, Lord, that your desire is to see the fullness of Jesus Christ in your church, Lord. And I know, God, that in order to do that, Father, that we have to um, humble ourselves, Lord, and seek your face, God, that we have to believe that you are faithful, God, and you will do the work, Lord, if we will um, yield and call out um, to the person of Christ, Father. So. I pray, God, for, for myself, Lord, that you would devastate me with your presence, Lord, that there would be a shift, God, that, that is undeniable in encountering the person of Christ, Father, and I pray, Lord, for those who call out to you, Father, to devastate them, Lord, to, to radically change their heart, Father, to, to not just know about you, Lord, but to have an encounter with the resurrected Christ, Lord, and, and given direction by your Holy Spirit, Father, that you would um, be answering that prayer faithfully, God, and that, that you would deal with us, God, in your mercy and, and, and in your grace, God, so I... I thank you for all that you're doing, Lord. I thank you for the faithfulness that is within the ESS, God. And I pray, Lord, that we would have ears to hear uh, what you are saying to the churches, Lord, specifically what you're saying to us, God. So I pray that you will guide us, Father, and that we would live a life worthy of the gospel. And in Jesus' name, we pray that we do these things. Amen. You guys can hang around as long as you'd like to pray. And um, also, be grateful for a lot. But uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for joining us. And we'll be praying for you all this week.